Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off, in-depth conversations that apply geophysics. In this episode, SEG President-elect Ken Tubman discusses the outcome of the Strategic Options Task Force. Ken provides an inside look at the decision-making of the SEG Strategic Options Task Force. He shares his reasons for voting to keep SEG independent, highlights the feedback from the focus groups, and previews the SEG Transformation Task Force. He also offers insight into why he looks to the gaming industry for inspiration and the best way introverts can benefit from networking. This episode is sponsored by Geospace Technologies. For decades, Geospace has delivered robust data acquisition systems of all scales. Geospace's PRM solutions were the first in the world to provide a 40 understanding of marine reservoirs. Today, Geospace leads the way with OptoSize fiber optic sensing technology for reservoir monitoring. Recently, the company launched a reduced sensor footprint solution using compact phased array technology for passive monitoring of micro-seismicity known as SADAR. Learn about the latest advances in reservoir intelligence at geospace.com. And now my conversation with Ken Tubman. So Ken, you were a key member of the Strategic Options Task Force, and a lot has happened with AAPG and SBE's intent to merge and SEG's role in those talks since we spoke with Anna Shaughnessy in November on these topics. So could you provide a little short summary of, of what now has become the outcome of these events? Yeah, you know, I think I'd like to give a little bit of background too, just because I think it's so important. When SPE and APG decided to merge, we were asked if we wanted to join. And I'm really happy that what SEG did was take a step back and say, well, that's a specific action to take or a specific tactic, but what problem are we trying to solve and what are the choices we have to actually address them? And that's why the task force was set up. And I think that's important to remind everyone that that really it wasn't just would we merge or not, but okay, what are our issues and what's going to go on? And I don't remember exactly when you spoke with Anna, but we did have the task force. We did go through a bit of a decision and risk analysis process where we started looking at what are our sideboards? What do we actually have to do? What can we not do? And then what are our options? And uh, and what questions is, is the society facing? And so we went through a fairly long process. And was it long because it took all of that time to get to an answer? Well, honestly, there were some clues early on that we would know what the, which direction we'd want to go and how people would lean. But I think the time we took in a conversation was really important to get alignment so that the entire task force got aligned pretty well. And then also bringing the board along so the board was also aligned. You know, you asked about what's happened since that. Well, of course, SPE and APG have decided to not merge. I don't think that was the fact that we decided not to join them. I think they just had their own issues. Uh, I can't say I completely know everything that was going on there. But for us, it's a matter of, okay, we we see a vision forward. We have a better feel for our what our issues are, and we have some ideas on how to approach them. So we're really anxious to get going on that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that this it's such a serious topic that it demanded, you know, really strong consideration and time to get all the, the relevant input and, and to bring the people along that you that you needed to. 
You know, so, you know, the task force ultimately decided not to join the conversation with AAPG and SPE before they had made their own final decision. So why why did the task force come to the conclusion that it was in SEG's best interest to stay an independent organization? Well, I'll emphasize this has nothing to do with SPE and APG in our view of them. We think very highly of both of those societies. For really what it was, it wasn't clear that a merger would solve our fundamental issues. Because we started with the question of what problem are we trying to solve rather than looking at a specific solution like picking a merger or not. And look, we have some declining revenue. We have some declining membership. The market is saturated with meetings. So we have to address these issues. Over the past few years, SEG has addressed the expense side of our business really strongly. I mean, look, we've made some very difficult cuts. We own buildings in Tulsa that were losing money every year, and that was difficult, but we sold those, so we have some money in the bank, had a good time, and we have to solve those problems. The other societies seem to be having some similar challenges. Oh, there's a little differences here and there in terms of their demographics and how things are made up, but we didn't see that becoming part of a larger society that had the same issues was actually solving them. It might slow the the impact of those issues, but it not actually solve them. So we were very much interested in addressing these key fundamental issues. As I said, we've gone after the expense side, but to really have a healthy society, we have to be sure we're delivering the value that will keep the members we have and attract new members. So we knew we needed to change. What we were doing wasn't going to be good enough, and it isn't just a COVID impact. It wasn't just a downturn in the industry, but we have some long-term trends when we looked hard at the data that we could see, and it just wasn't clear to us how a merger would solve that. We need to do something different. I like that. You know, what is the problem we are trying to solve here? You know, so... Since AABG and SB did not choose to merge, and, and you know, as you've smartly said a few times, you know, the decision SEG made wasn't about those organizations or anything about them. But SEG does have some relationships, you know, with AAPG, their image now, um, and that relationship will stay moving forward. So, you know, has it changed now that those two organizations have made a decision to stay independent, how SEG will continue to work with these organizations moving forward? Well, to be clear, we very much want to continue to work with them. You mentioned image. That's a great example of the kind of things we need to do that actually start to address some of the fundamental problems. When we see a market that's oversaturated with meetings, companies, they can't, don't want to send people to so many meetings. So by having one meeting together with AEPG, then it addresses that issue and it makes us more efficient holding the meeting. It's easier for our members to attend one meeting than it is to attend multiple meetings. And and there's other things we need to do in that regard. So for example, what I'd like to see is much more digital platforms and uh, and much more other types of interactions. And that's all gonna require collaboration with other organizations. One of the things we debated internally was kind of a community model, and we're still exploring that. So rather than having only a technical focus. And look, we're a technical society. That was one of the questions we debated. We want to make sure we it's applied technology so that we have industry focused and a variety of industries, but we need to be focused on problems. And so we could have very problem-focused communities and we could work in each of those communities with the right organizations. SEG might not and probably won't do these alone. We might have a reservoir modeling or where, where we very much want to be part with SPE. We might have another one in data analytics where maybe we want to work with 
IEEE or, or uh, applied math organizations. So our business model is very challenged. We need to find new ways to do it. And, you know, one thing I'll bring up is that we need to find ways to also establish digital communities. And SPE, for example, we're talking with them. They, they've got a good effort on digitalization. We have our digital transformation task force together that has a great vision. We'd like to find ways to combine these. It's already working a little bit together in energy and data workshop, but we'd like to find a way to take this out into the digital space so that we can not only attract people and serve people and deliver value to members who are really global and can't travel to a physical meeting, but also it's a different way that we connect these days. There are systems out there. Personally, I'm quite interested in the gaming industry, which we might forget is actually a multi-billion dollar industry these days. And what they've done is established online platforms where people around the world can connect, communicate, interact, and do shared activities. And I think there's a lot of potential there and things we can look at. And a lot of these are going to take more resources than SEG might have on our own. So we're very much looking to work with these organizations, SBE, APG, and a variety of others. You were on the front line, you know, being in the strategic options task force. I'm sure you're getting a lot of input from various sources. You know, was there kind of a general feedback from SEG members that you, you know, as you were debating the various options? Well, it's hard to say that there was a single uniform message. I would say we got feedback from many sides of the discussion. There were some who thought it was very obvious we should just merge. Don't even think about it. Just go ahead and merge. I would say there were more who wanted to keep SEG independent. What was interesting and what I enjoyed was I personally responded to every email and input that we got from membership and, and others. Every time Anna would send out an update, uh, we, we would get a spurt of input, which was terrific. And one of the things that's interesting is by responding personally, I was able to ask questions that we were debating in the task force. And if you will, replay some of the dialogues we as a small group were having with and see how it played with a, a variety of members. Lots of people, for example, the, thought, well, it's just obvious we should merge. They hadn't considered some of the things we had considered in the task force. And I don't mean that as a criticism, to be honest. I started on this task force as one of the strongest, thinking it was just obvious we should merge. So what are we waiting for? Let's go. Uh, and, and it was just that dialogue. You mentioned how important it was to take the time to have that conversation over a few months. And, and that's the benefit of taking our time and thinking through it, is all of us were able to reevaluate our own positions and, and to reconsider. And that's the kind of conversations we need to have with membership also. And, and we tried to do that as much as we could. In addition to feedback, we did have some focus groups we'll talk about and, and a few other dialogues that I found very helpful. You know, that's such a nice foundation for any group, at least, you know, no matter where you were coming in on what side, you knew this was an important and serious conversation that warranted deep conversation. So that's just a nice foundation, even if you're coming in on two different conclusions. You know, were there particular arguments for staying independent that resonated with the task force or, or yourself? You know, I'm not sure it was any single argument. Talking through it together was really important. But I think for me, one of the things that early on tipped me off, I'm not sure the others saw it the same way on the task force, but we first looked at our core principles, what we want from SEG and what we think SEG could be and what we want it to be. And 
there were things like preserving the SEG brand and the core values. And a lot of the people in the task force placed high value in the the friendships, the communities, the interactions. And that realization early on made it kind of start to evolve that the merger was not going to advance those goals. Certainly there'd be or could be some advantages in terms of integration. And a lot of the people who said it's obvious to merge were thinking, well, look, there's too many memberships, too many meetings. And what we think is we can address those problems without merging. Image is an example how we're combining meetings without a merger. We can also perhaps do something with membership. Uh, We've already had some conversations with other societies about how we might combine memberships or things like that, uh, different from merging the whole organization. You know, and in terms of the arguments and how it went, it's important to note that most of the task force, like me, started out assuming we should merge. In fact, when we were picking membership, we had to go out of our way to make sure we found some people who were against the merger. And I'm not sure it was those couple of people making a specific argument that this is the way it has to be. It was more looking at the data, talking through it, and thinking about, okay, what problem are we trying to solve? And by the time the work was done, we were unanimous in wanting to remain independent. And uh, the board was pretty close to that as well. So, and, you know, part of the alignment, three members of the task force were not on the board, volunteered to run for the SEG board. So that's an indication how spending that time and having the conversation really got good alignment. Just a, a step back. Some people might be wondering, how was this task force chosen? Well, the task force was chosen. It started in a conversation between Anna and myself, and we also uh, had some others, uh, treasurer and some other key people and advisors providing some information. And we just said, okay, what kind of people do we want on it? We want people who are uh, independent. They're not going to just go along with the flow. And we tried to pick various diversity characteristics. Of course, you can never meet every one of them. Uh, And so, you know, some of the input we got was, well, there's nobody from my region represented, but we did try to have different region representatives, uh, different age groups, things, different demographics, things like that. And then we started asking people and uh, and people were quite enthusiastic. So we were very happy with that. Yeah. If you're trying to come to a a consensus in a group, you you can only have so many people. So it's just not physically possible to, to have every representation. You know, yeah, you mentioned these focus groups. How were the focus groups in progressing that was set up to receive input on the current and future value of SEG? What what kind of things did you learn in that process? Well, so that was interesting because we thought about focus groups. It took us a while to actually kick them off and get going for a variety of reasons. You know, we had focus groups. We, again, we wanted to sample. We recognized right up front this was not going to be a statistical stamp sample. The idea of a focus group is to get a small number of people and to set them up to have deep conversations and to talk with each other in their groups. So some focus groups only had a few people, some might have a dozen. And we did was uh, kick them off, really going after the future. What value would they want to see from SEG? What value do they see from SEG? And where are the gaps in what's missing? So we set it up with an independent facilitator to avoid our biases. Of course, that's not how we started. We all wanted to participate or listen at least, but the uh, outside facilitator explained to us that would add our biases. And if we had to split it up, 
then each of us would hear the same message slightly differently. So that wouldn't be good. And if one of us attended all of them, then we'd just impose our bias. So by using someone from outside the organization, I think it helped a lot to get great messages from there. Uh, We did get some really, really great input. And again, we gave these folks a small group a few hours to talk through this. So a lot of the input wasn't surprising, but there were some new insights, and it certainly reinforced some existing insights. You know, there were things like some skepticism. Okay, we've tried to change before. What's different this time? Very good input. And good input like a lot of the meetings and networking events are established for, shall we say, people later in their career who don't have children at home or families quite needing the same level of attention. A number of really good inputs like that. In addition to the focus groups, you know, I'll mention also that... uh, We also talked to the regional advisory committees and we talked with the, um, had some one-on-one conversations with some key leaders. Uh, We talked to CEOs of a couple of our big supporters and we got really good insights there. Again, same thing, small group, deep conversations. You know, things like the exhibit in the conference is much more important for smaller vendors because they have to get noticed. We've had, had one larger vendor say, they don't care about the exhibit. Because if they want to talk to their customers, they know how to find them. They have their phone numbers and they'll talk to them. So the exhibit is much more important for smaller vendors. And yet we seem to cater to the larger ones. We heard that the CEOs would like all of their employees to be able to attend from all over the world. They don't want to have to choose 5, 10, or 15, or 20 employees to join. They want everyone. So if you think about it, that means a physical meeting only doesn't accomplish that, right? And and there's other organizations who use it as a testing ground for skills and abilities, presenting their ideas in front of a group that can be challenging, or even participating on our committees for, if you will, collaboration skills, leadership skills, things like that. So we did get lots of good input from the not just the focus groups, but also these other conversations. Yeah, I've heard there's a, a possible creation of an implementation committee based on these focus groups. What is the latest there? So I would say that uh, it's more than possible it's going to happen. We, we are right now having a conversation about membership. And the membership, to be clear, is probably going to include most of the members of the previous task force. But one of the big concerns is also around continuity. You know, SEG has a challenge in its governance that we elect a new president every year. And if that president has different priorities, well, guess what? Any longer-term effort stops and, uh, and we switch directions. So we're going out of our way to bring in candidates for certain board positions for next year. And if we can get them involved and aligned, then we have an excellent opportunity to keep the momentum here. And I'd like to compliment Anna for being so collaborative in this past year, where she and I, I would say, have worked very closely together on this. And so it's giving us a running start. And uh, I get to work on it next year as president. And I hope to have next year's president-elect just as involved as Anna has kept me so that we can maintain that continuity. So this transformation task force will be setting up in the very near future, and it will be helping to coordinate it, but it can't do everything. You know, you mentioned how challenging it can be to have a large group to get things done. This group is probably going to be larger than what might be ideal but we recognize it's going to be necessary to make sure we are reaching and tapping into our membership around the world. And uh, we're still going to need volunteers and great staff to help specifics in the charge and, and to make progress 
even when we have a vision that's being set and guided with the, by the Transformation Task Force. What message would you like to share with the members on the ongoing transformation of SEG? Well, I, I think one of the things is what I hinted at. It's, it's not a short process. This isn't going to be somebody making a decision in a month. It's going to be a lot of members, a lot of leaders, members taking leadership positions, and it's going to take some time. We are a large organization, and most large organizations don't work particularly fast. And I'd like to say we're an exception, but I'm not sure yet. But we certainly need help. We need more volunteers and different volunteers. We need some early and mid-career members to define and implement the programs they want. It's really easy to sit on the side and say, well, you're not delivering enough value. This doesn't work for me because I have family or this or that. Those are all very true and very valid concerns. Uh, And we need help to get those in place. So the folks who have those problems and aren't seeing the value, we'd love to have them join us and step up and help make programs that'll make this better. You know, you will be, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you're president-elect, you know, so you you have accomplished a lot in, in your field and, and continue to, to have a lot more to accomplish. I'm sure you have a lot more things you want to do. What is one piece of advice you would offer someone that would like to succeed in your field? Well, of course, you know, for me, one of the things that has been the highlight of my career, even for someone who's introverted, is working with other people and the teams and what we've accomplished. That's what really charges me, gets me charged up. So one of the ways to do that and to meet people inside a company, you meet them pretty naturally, but networking across companies takes a bit more effort. And we talk about networking events and things like that. And that's not about going to an event and exchanging contact info, showing someone your uh, QR code of your contact info or something like that. that. That's not it. To me, networking and building a relationship with other people is about working together and accomplishing something together. That's how you learn to trust each other. So when a commitment is made, you're pretty confident it's going to be done. And when you make a commitment, the other people or person knows that you're going to fulfill your commitment or do everything you can to fulfill it. SEG can provide these opportunities outside of someone's company, right? You you have something at work, you're on a team, you're working a particular project. That's all terrific. And it's excellent to be done. But being part of a committee, getting something done, helping this transformation, it, it gives ability to jump into leadership roles that are maybe a bit ahead of what you've yet achieved in the company. You can mold an organization to deliver the value you and others need in ways that some other people, even in leadership positions in that org, might not see. So it can really be good for all sides to get involved. And that involvement in networking involves active participation. Yeah, that's a, a great, a, just a great tip, you know, for many introverts that kind of, you know, we're all about the work and this is a great way to be reminded, yeah, you can do the work and and network at the same time, kind of suit that well. So I appreciate this insider's perspective onto the task force. I know this has been on a lot of minds of, of all geoscientists. So thank you for explaining some of the thinking behind it and, and sharing some of the excitement about the future. No problem, happy to talk. SCG produces Seismic Sound Off to benefit its members, the scientific community, and inform the public on the value of geophysics. To show your support for this show, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Simply go to Seismic Sound Off on Apple Podcasts and Spotify on your phone. It takes less than five seconds to leave a five-star rating and is the number one action you can take to show your appreciation for this free resource. 
and follow the podcast while you are on the app to be notified when each new episode releases. Original music created by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary at 51 Features. The SEG podcast team is Jennifer Cobb, Kathy Gamble, and Ali McGinnis. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.